Tony, are you ready? If you're waiting on me, boys, you're backing up. You start to worry me. Stop and smell the roses, baby. I can't hardly see. No, I ain't forgotten just how good it all can be. But I got so much responsibility. Got so much responsibility. In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening, boys. It's been a while since we've gathered. Uh, uh, thanks to the Great Freeze. Yes. Great Freeze. Uh, Ott. 22, 23. <laughs> 23. For those of you who just tuned in, this is episode, a new episode of This is Vinyl Tap, and we are all gathered at the Vinegaroon Saloon, as always. The electrified Vinegaroon yeah, Saloon. Yes, Doug, newly been, electrified, yes. Doug's been without power for a week. Or um, re-electrified, I should say. Re-electrified. The nice thing about living in Austin is that they don't let things like practical concerns bother them. <laughs> Studying... Unicorn farts and <laughs> stuff like that's much more important. Uh, the power company is owned by our government, the city government, which is filled with dreamers. They don't like to damage our urban canopy. And our urban canopy got covered with ice and brought down <laughs> power lines all we're, over the yeah. place. We're not, we're, I don't want to get political here, but to be fair, it's a little difficult to trust somebody with the urban canopy when, when their desire is to just come in and hack it down to the ground. Yeah, you know, a little finesse might be if they were a little bit more finessed, it might be a little bit yeah. more. They can cut down every tree in my yard if I don't have to go a week again without power. <laughs> I hear you. Anyway, so uh, again, uh, welcome everybody tonight. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 1991 album "American and Me" by Steve Forbert. This is a Doug Cooper pick, and oh, I guess I should introduce you guys. Uh, yeah. A little rusty. It's been a while since we've gathered. Uh, I, I am Tony Slagle, your host for this evening. I'm joined, as always, with our normal host, Doug Cooper. I'm normal. <laughs> and our very humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Uh, largely unaffected by the freeze, I might might add. Other than Leander. That's, that was appropriate to bring that up. Yeah. Well, he's, you know. It, About it, him. It, it was humble. Well, I mean. <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to weigh, weigh uh living in South Waco or having a week of week without power I'll take the week without power but that's just me. Anyway, as I was saying, this is uh the 1991 album by Steve Forbert called American and Me. This is a Doug Cooper pick and as always we like to go to the source and ask Mr. Cooper, why was this an album you picked? This is one of my new albums. <laughs> yeah, for you it is, yeah. It's one of the newer in our oeuvre, I think, too, yeah. That what's what's funny is when I think about, if someone were to accuse me of not listening to new music, 
my brain would automatically go, I've got this one. <laughs> when did you buy this? Um, did you buy it in 91? I was in San Antonio, so uh, that had to be, it had to be before 96. So I still remember the store where I bought it. But it was, it wasn't when it came out. It wasn't new when you bought no. it. No, it was, it was. So what, what, I'm curious, what struck you in wanting to buy it was the, was it the glorious early 90s cover art? <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought it because I like Steve Forbert. Did you, so you had other, those other albums? I had Jack Rabbit Slim and I also had uh, Alive on Arrival. So a person like me would, it would, I think it'd be hard for a guy that digs singer songwriters not to bump into Steve Forbert. Yeah. This album is, I think it is the most underrated album we've talked about. Uh, this album is so, All Music Guide gives this album three stars, which is, inexplicable to me and by the rest of the press it's almost ignored they talk a lot about his first four albums and then they ignore the later albums uh, and this one is is so good where does this come in the number of out al- is this five uh, i think it's later than i think that. it's later than that too yeah so because they this was the second album on geffen and they talk about that first album on geffen a lot as well yeah. yeah. Why don't you play a song off that first album? Street, uh, the first uh, Geffen album. Streets, Streets that of the did Sound? get some radio play. All right. And while well, you do that, I'll try to figure out what number this all is. All right. And dealing not to feel when he's knocking you down. And I know he'll succeed. Because that's just what you need on the streets of this town. And you say you don't see that's a good song it's a great song and uh, it gives the audience a there's a chance you've heard that one before because it did get some radio play and it's also a a good taste of his voice and his style his voice nobody sits around wondering who's singing when they hear this guy yeah if they know who steve forbert is they know who's singing right and that was the first album he did for geffen records so if you get David Geffen's attention, that's usually a sign you're a good songwriter. And that was the streets of this town off of the album, The Streets of This Town. Who produced that, J.M. Jonathan Rowe? I believe it was Gary Talent of the East Street Band. That is exactly right. Yeah. He considers that his second debut, that album, is what Steve I think that's accurate. I think it's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah. And it's the beginning of his adult albums. (laughs) And the the main thing I want to say about this album tonight... If you have not moved out of your parents' house, do not waste any time listening to this album. <laughs> this, I, I want to read a list of things. Words and phrases. Responsibility. Mm-hmm. Capital gains tax. <laughs> dovetail joint. <laughs> car lot. These yeah. are not the words that are found in rock and roll. Well, records. yeah, this is a, a, one of the reviews that I read. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but I think that it came to this. This is not an album for the kids. This is an album for the kids' parents. It is. This is the most adult album, oh. <laughs> and I consider this my first adult album. It well, reminds me of Graceland because both are tackling midlife issues, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Graceland a little bit. It, t- it goes other places. Yeah. But this, the song Only. Graceland particularly, is an adult song. But this is about 
uh, being an adult, I'm, I'm surprised well, they don't have a song about how about doing taxes or something. <laughs> but it's a particular type of adulthood, too. This is a guy who's got a couple. I mean, the guy who's writing it, and he can't help but have that come out of, of the songs. Yeah. It's a guy who's got two kids. He's married. He's kind of figuring things out. He's been through a couple of rough patches with his music career. It's it's kicking back up, but he he's he's looking at the world through this these eyes of a young father who's got and, and unlike a lot of musicians that we've talked about in the past, who's actually actually enjoys to a certain extent that point of his life. I mean, the songs, the themes in these songs, there's there's a little bit of sorrow to the, the growing up going through. We'll talk about that later, but he's definitely a guy who who's not shirking his duties as an adult if you right and he's singing about that which is a weird it's a weird point of view to have for a musician and it's he he i lump him into that group what i call heartland music and uh, the guys i would put in there would be like uh john mellencamp you know to a certain degree some of later springsteen stuff but Yeah, yeah i agree with that a lot more that side of music than the Dylan side. Yeah, which he is called. Uh, he was the second promise, uh, or the, well, God mean, knows how many promises. They got, new Dylan, him, him, and you couldn't swing a dead cat without finding the new Dylan at some point. That's yeah. right. You know, yeah. and, and he's not his songwriting's not like Dylan, unless no. you are talking about is good. They're both good, but they couldn't be more different. Yeah, I cannot he, imagine Dylan coming up with any of these songs, no. well, and I cannot imagine him. <laughs> Coming up with Mr. The, Tambourine Man. The, the, yeah. the, the big difference to me is Steve Forbert is very earnest. And that's not to say Dylan can't be, but Dylan also has his tongue firmly planted in his cheek a lot of the yeah. time. And yeah. Steve Forbert does not have his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. He's just very, very earnest. And he's he comes up with really clever. I, I would describe him as a clever songwriter. I was listening to another one of he's his very, albums, yeah. one of his later albums, and he said he's but he's he's got this one line where he's 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 being seduced by this woman and he keeps saying get away from me get away from me and and he says you don't understand my my wife can hear my thoughts and smell my dreams <laughs> which is a perfect well, that's a great line a perfect way to say something short when when you were listing listing the uh, terms uh, i couldn't help but get the giggles when you said capital gain stacks because it's just a bizarre thing <laughs> it to is. Throw into a song. but yeah. who <laughs> no kid even knows what that is i know yeah <laughs> and you, we listen to so many of these I mean, great albums that were written by 22-year-olds. Yeah. And you hear them and you think, wow, that's great. I love that. But it's not about where you are now. Right. It's about rock and roll, chicks, fast cars, whatever it is. But it's not about responsibilities that are keeping you awake at night. Well, there's not a lot of romance to anything that he's, especially on this album that he's writing about. He's not, there's nothing being, he's not romanticizing anything there's about being an There's not even songs about unrequited love. Yeah, love. yeah it's an, it's, this is the opposite of uh, an album well, we got coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, girlfriend. <laughs> well, I, I will say, though. This that, is not girlfriend music. Yeah. This is wife music. <laughs> I, I will say, though, there is, you know, I don't want to jump the gun and talk about the album without, because we always do a little bit of history stuff first, but there is a, an undercurrent of, there seems to be an undercurrent, while, while he's not getting away from the responsibility and all that stuff, there's a slight undercurrent of regret the fact that he's now faced with these adult issues. Well, the 
I describe this album as weary. Uh, that's a yeah. That's Again, a very Doug, good you 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 crystallize apropos, my yes. thoughts. It's not exactly. It's not depressing. No. It's not. It's not Marillion. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's not it's, maudlin by any stretch of the imagination. No, and it's yeah. not. There's not little emos walking around. Let's know, but <laughs> it's, it's a. Per, it's perfect because that that's it sums up exactly. This album was five thirty in traffic on your way yeah. home. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> you're. You don't know if you're going to pick up your phone and try to take care of one more item before you get home. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. that's what it's about. And <laughs> the good thing about this album in our audience is if you look at the demographics provided to us from uh, iTunes, mm-hmm. those those are our people. <laughs> we, we have yeah. not broken in. Yeah, we haven't the, hit the uh, under 20 well, crowd and, and at all. Or or under the tweens or <laughs> the 25, 18 to 25 set. We haven't really. And to be fair, so, there's a there's also, a, you know, it's just this is the truth. There's a, a suburban aspect to Oh yeah, what he's singing and about it's very song. American. It's yes. there's nothing gritty about what he's talking no. about. You know, the, it's, it's not life on the streets or yeah. yeah. There's no songs about. Uh, it's not even about pounding the pavement looking for. No. It. It's not even about being unemployed or anything. No, it's, it, it, it's and here's here's an important thing. I think if he had achieved Springsteen type success, he would not have access to what he needs to write these kind of songs. Well, yeah. I, I'll tell. I was on a flight with him one time oh really yeah and uh i was <laughs> just to see, put it in perspective he had his guitar with him and uh i was <laughs> flying first class so i was going through the the, the nice because this is back when i used to fly all the time so and I, I was in a hurry but he was in uh not the not the first class not the priority line and i was sitting there there's not going oh man i can't believe it but he sat behind me and i was sitting there in first class and i was going i'm sitting behind steve Fober. so he was in first class no i was in first class and he he was not in first class on the way there but yeah that's just are we doing steve Fober? uh just to show you but that's just he's not had the no, he's not had well, monstrous success. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's so out of proportion with his it's, talent. It's interesting, yeah. though, that you bring up Springsteen's success because, um, again, jumping the gun a little bit, but he had the opportunity to be on the cover of Rolling Stone and declined because he felt like he was not like it wasn't the point in his career where he's ready for that. And he was really worried about what that would do to him in terms of his mental health and a bunch of other stuff. I'm not sure... It seems like somebody who uh, that young, because I think it probably at that point he was probably around twenty five or so, maybe twenty six. It seems like, or maybe a little older than that. Somebody that young who had that that viewpoint of life probably could have handled that type of success maybe better than he th- gave himself credit for. Yeah, but who knows what that would have done for his career as well? Well, He's- we we made that same mistake, <laughs> did we? When I Rolling didn't tell y'all that Rolling Stone wanted to put us on the cover. Oh, I didn't know that. Is on the email like. You sure, you sure that wasn't the thrifty nickel that wanted to put us on the cover? <laughs> yeah, I think that we reading A-R-P. about him, <laughs> reading about his history, it, it did seem like it's not that fame eluded him. It's just he didn't really seem to embrace it like a lot of. He, he did not embrace it, and, yeah. and and then at a point where he sh- maybe should have because it, uh, his career was going off, took some missteps with some of his albums and and sort of. Yeah, went away for a little while, but um, plus he had some legal he had some legal issues as well with his label. But yeah, well, and I tell you one one more thing. I think he came out at exactly the wrong time for an artist like him. 
if he had come out in 1970, I think it would have been much different because people were into introspective singer-songwriters in 1970, and in 1978, we were at a different place. Well, you, you say that, Doug, but he found a home in a very unlikely spot in New York. Well, I think that unlikely spot yeah. <laughs> gives credence to what I just said. Yeah. Because... <laughs> That may have been closer to the spot's original intention, yeah. but that's not what was happening. But there. He, fa- yeah. he, fa- he found. I guess we should uh, say that we're talking about CBGB. Yeah, he yeah. ended up. He ended up playing at CBGB's fairly early on in that club's career. In fact, he was. I don't, you know, I want to get into connections or whatever. Um, well, maybe well, we, we should. should get into connections. <laughs> 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 Wrong button. <laughs> Yeah, he ends up he ends up playing at CBGB's around the same I think around the same time as so he was what he was twenty two when he moved to New York because he was he was born in Meridian Meridian Meridian, Mississippi Mississippi. and and what what do we know about Meridian Mississippi Well, they got a Pizza Hut I ate there once (laughs) on prom night and people had their prom dates (laughs) what what else do we know about Meridian Mississippi Well, it's home to a very famous songwriter Jimmy Rogers Who's that? The railroad trains are calling me always I may be rough, I may be wild I may be tough and kind of vile But I can't give up my good old rough and rowdy ways so he I was, think he was about to say Yoda lady. Oh, I cut him <laughs> off before he yodeled. He, uh, this is the, what, the... I mean, the granddaddy of, of country music, essentially. Yeah, right? pretty much. He's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Jimmy Rogers. If you don't know Jimmy Rogers, you go to your library yeah. and get the... And, and ask your parents what's wrong with them. Um, <laughs> he is he's great, great, great songwriter, great yeah. music. Pretty good guitar player. Actually, Forbert well. did a cover of Jimmy Rogers' tunes I on, a, on an album, yeah. a whole album full of them. Well, I, I, we we do what we do a lot. We slipped into the history. Let's, but we started on connections. Connections. Yeah. So, so, does anybody have any? I was about to talk about one. CBGB. I've got one. Well, not just CBGBs, but while you go jam, and then I'll bring my. Okay. Up. The only thing that I really got off of this album was uh, Bob Glob, the bass player. He has played with uh, Jackson Brown. Played on a couple other albums we've talked about. He I think played that, on the Warren Zevon album. We did. Yeah, the Warren well, Zevon album. that hasn't been released yet. We haven't released that. Oh, no, it would have been. By the time this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let me explain yeah. how this works. <laughs> <laughs> he played with Dave Mason, Linda Ronstadt, Jackson Brown, and he did the, He was on the Warren Zevon album. Yeah, so uh, he's a very sought-after <laughs> bass player. I've actually seen him play before with Jackson Brown. He's a very good bass player. How about uh, Lenny Castro, who also plays percussion on this album? Uh, he has played with lots of people we've talked he about. He was on Pirates. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's fan. Yeah, how about, that was some good drama. How about Alex? Yeah. Alex Acuna, Los Lobos, Kiko, Kiko. Yeah, yep. yeah, we did Kiko. So, and there's and a couple a dog named Kiko. There's a couple of other people that <laughs> played play on this album. That Tommy Tommy Thunder Burke was uh, played with Bob Welsh. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, anyway, what I was going to mention is when he's playing at CBGBs, he catches the eye of Linda Stein and Danny Fields. 
And Danny Fields and Linda Stein also, and they become his manager. Danny Fields and Linda Stein also manage the Ramones, which we talked about on one of our previous episodes. Uh-huh. Um, battle, album battle. What's what's really interesting about that, I mean, Danny Fields, that guy is like rock royalty in terms of what he did. We don't. I don't hold this against him. He was he managed the Doors at one point, but he also managed the Stooges, and as I said, the Ramones. Steve Horbert says that he thinks the reason why it was at least in their mind okay to sign him was because he was different enough from the Ramones that they wouldn't have an issue with Steve Horbert. Unfortunately, they did have an issue with him because when his song Romeo's tune got a little bit of airplay and when i say a little bit of airplay it was a hit the ramones still were fairly they were an underground band they had a chip on their shoulder about that for the, for the most part and and steve Horbert says that <clears throat> he thinks they were also mad about the whole we talked about this on our on the album wars thing they were mad he was that the ramones were mad about springsteen offering them hungry heart and then pulling it back and recording it himself and the reason i bring that up because steve Horbert has this funny thing he says he's like I, he can't picture Joey Ramone, and just think about this. We all know Joey Ramone singing, got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I like Steve Horbert yeah. so much. He's, like, yeah. He's one of the top guys I'd like to have a beer with yeah. because of statements like that. That's so true. Mm-hmm. But but he also, while he was playing <laughs> that, it... Uh, that is impossible. <laughs> another another little, uh, I guess, another little connection, if, you, if, if this is a dubious one, maybe, but while he was playing it, CBGB's John Cale did residency there, mm-hmm. and he loved Par- Steve Horbert loved Paris in 1919, which was an album we did. Mm-hmm. And so watching him perform actually helped him, kind of influenced him a bit as well. Did the fact that he loved that album so much affect you and cause you to like him less? No, I like. There's things on that album I like. I, if we go I, back I did, and listen, to I don't it, remember that part. Yes, there are things on that album I like. But well, I got one. Yeah. We did a Birds album. We did. Sweetheart. We did a, a Birds album with Graham Parsons on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you ask Steve Forward, who are your influences? You don't finish saying the word influences before he says Graham Parsons. Really? Yeah. It just well comes out immediately. I guess they're from the same area of the country. Well, and he also, I think Steve Forbert sees himself as one of these guys who's responsible for what would eventually become Americana music. He right. was yeah. doing it early enough to where it other people would have had to have listened to him and been like, oh, I could, I like that. I could do that as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a point. I, I do too. <clears throat> yeah. and, and one of the things I think about when I listen to this album is, unlike some of the other albums we've talked about, it is impossible for this album not to have come from the United States of America. Oh, yeah. There so is, when I say that in my notes, it's impossible. It's, it's almost like trying to imagine King of the Hill coming from a state other than Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's so indicative yeah, of uh, yeah. things American. You know, when he was playing at CBGB's, he we used to open for uh, for the Talking Heads. That's an odd. <laughs> I can't imagine that's that. That's odd. he's had some odd things like that uh, yeah. through through his whole career. Yeah. I, I think there's quite a there's a good question about what do you do with this guy? And I mean, they tried. Yeah, of course they tried to put him in the you know New Dylan category, well, which he that, actually said. That's kind of a relief because 
Dylan's already done everything. I don't have to do it. It's not. <laughs> it, it, it's not bad company either. If yeah. you look at the list of people that have been called the new Dylan. It's yeah. a pretty good company yeah. to be mm-hmm. in. And it's you know? it's not a small list either. No, uh-uh. It is not. It, it's, it's such a stupid thing to say. It's yeah. it's it's lazy. It's absolutely lazy. And, and people I, and do I that with you, a lot of stuff. I'm I'm gonna declare right now that the reviews I've read about this album I think were lazy, or they were rushed, or they did not put any time into it. Well, I think I think the difficulty in reviewing this album for some people is they were thinking about the Steve Forbert from his first couple of albums, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even though he had had this album that was a, essentially a bit of a sea change, his second debut, as he called it, with the one that was produced by Gary Talent that we played a song off of, and this is more in that vein, people, are, I think, are still having t- trouble thinking about him in that light. But Well, it, he... He looks like a teenager. He does. Yeah. That is full of energy and spunk. Mm-hmm. And then you get to these these two albums that you're talking about. Right. There's no teenager left. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. He he's probably in an argument with a teenager who is his son. <laughs> yeah. That just slammed the door. <laughs> Why don't you play us a little uh, of his hit? Oh well. Uh, do we have any more connections? No, because this is so. one of the least connected guys we've talked it is. about. It is, but we just just briefly. Even BW had more. <laughs> he did just briefly before we get to the the hit Romeo's tune off his second album. He did. He does get signed. He gets signed to um, Epic, yeah. which we've talked about before in '78, and he puts out this album that's primarily acoustic. And as we talked about, he gets this new Dylan label. But it's the album's all. This is the thing he does. He writes about. He writes about his experience. So this album, this debut album, is about his transition from Meridian to to New York, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's a it's a good album. And the lead track, which is great, I think, is great. I think we all agree it's a great one. is called "Going Down the Laurel," and I want to play a little bit. What's of What's Laurel? A town in Mississippi. Ah, there mm-hmm. you go. All right, going down to Laurel. Seems to like to laugh. Look at Johnny driving across the floor. He can play the fool. And make a few mistakes But all the same he'll never be a bore I'm glad to be so young Talking with my tongue Glad to be so careless in my way Glad to take a chance And play against the odds Glad to be so crazy in my day Well, I'm going down to Laurel J.M., did that song have a bass in it? <laughs> it sounded like it was being played with a pick too. By do, the way, but. do you know who you know who plays saxophone on that album? This is a odd little deal. No, I do not. Well, who's like the most well known? Clarence, Clarence Clemens? Not Clarence. I wouldn't say in terms of like, session guys. <laughs> David Sanborn. David Sanborn David was about Sanborn to say. Was, I did know that. Yeah, okay. which is weird. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> put, put Coltrane on there. That'd be like the firehouse sessions. <laughs> there you go. So get, getting getting to his hit. So he releases this, that album's well received. He, it's a good album. It is by the way. He releases a second album called Jackrabbit Slim, and uh, and and the cool thing about that was the first pressings of that album include a seven inch single of the oil song, which the people used to do that when you buy albums, you get little things. Yeah. So that LP reached number twenty. On the Billboard, this is Jackrabbit Slim we're talking about, reached number 20 on the Billboard album charts, and primarily due to its hit single, Romeo's Tune, which peaked at number 11 on the Hot 100, number 13 in adult contemporary charts, and number 8 in Canada. 
It's his, unfortunately, his only charting single, but we'll give you a little taste of that as well. Lost in talk, I waste my time, and it's all been said before. While further down behind the masquerade, the tears are there. I don't ask for all that much, I just want someone to care. Everything's okay. Come on. Great and, song. Yeah, and the uh, piano player on that was Elvis's piano player. That album Bobby was Ogden. yeah, Bobby Ogden. He that album was recorded live in the studio almost the whole. Oh, that's cool. I, didn't uh, know that. I think the some of the vocals were overdubbed, but everything else was th- that take. You that's, know what? He, I was uh, so surprised to uh, find out that was the hit on this album. Yeah, uh, because there's another song called Little Joe that. It's the obvious hit. I, it's it is a good. I remember that song. Yeah, it's a good song. It's Romeo's tune's a great tune. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Little joke, not the Wrangler. Sometimes it's all in your mind, but this time it's big and it's real. Go turning back into night. This time you can't make her stay. Don't try to block her in pain Or don't try to stand in her way Just say goodbye to little Joe I, uh, I felt this way about Romeo's tune, too. There, there's a definite... It seems like the guy was listening to a little bit of Warren Zevon when he was recording this album, because it feels that way to me, this stuff. Well, it should be. <sighs> it, it reminds me so much of that music that was coming out uh, about this time, late 78 into early 1980, where especially uh, Kenny Loggins and all that, there was a lot of piano-driven music, and I guess Warren Zevon kind of fit that that bill, but Kenny Loggins and all that sort of stuff, and just uh, the, the way the albums were produced and everything just sounds so much of that time. The, uh, the, the funny thing, uh, funny, I don't know, funny, interesting thing about Romeo's tune was when he plays that song, just him, because he does acoustic tours. That piano bit he does on the harmonica, he plays that oh, really? harmonica li- or uh, piano lick on the harmonica. And it's really cool to see. He's one of the guys I can stand here and That's play harmonica. Was, was like, yeah. no, he's good. He's that good was exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. He knows what the harmonica is for, and yeah. he knows when to turn it off. Yeah. So, as we mentioned earlier, because of the success of this album and the song, he's asked to be on the cover of Rolling Stones, Stone, and he declines. He, he he's actually to his credit says he doesn't. It's while well, he's there's lots of things he regrets in his life. That's the one decision he does not regret is saying hmm. no to Rolling Stone. But then he comes out with a couple of albums that don't do so well. One yeah. of them is Little Stevie Orbit in 1980, and that's followed by Steve Forbert in 1982. Critics didn't like him much. Fans didn't like him much. They didn't sell very well. He he blames it on the fact that he just there's no real continuity. The songs are kind of all over the place. There's country, there's yeah. R&B, there's folk rock, and he said that it just confused people. Like it, the people like yeah. to classify you, and they couldn't do it with this, and it confused people. So, yeah. so they don't do well. As a result, he has a dispute with Nemperer, who is the label that he was on at the time. He switches managers. And he gets signed to Columbia, and then he pr- does a new album for Columbia, and they wanted demos, but he actually does the album, yeah. and they won't release it. It yeah. goes over budget. They won't release the album. 
Yeah. And from 92 to, or I'm sorry, 82, 82 to, to 87, 80, yeah. he's does not able to release anything until he gets out of his contract with Columbia. Yeah. So he makes an out, the album is called Down in Flames and he uh, wasn't released until 2009. It was recorded in 1983 and it wasn't oh, released geez. until 2009. So, Doug. Yes, sir. Something interesting happens during this time period, though, for him. He appears in something that you wouldn't normally assume he would appear in based on the music you've heard. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think he took advantage of a unique characteristic he has, and that is he looks like a teenage boy. <laughs> and he looks like a teenage boy who's like the boy next door. Yeah, like, he really looks like someone yeah. that out of all your friends, he would be your mom's favorite of your friends. <laughs> He's such an ass boy. The song is, it's an anthem for women <laughs> of our age that just wanted to have fun and is recorded by the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. Or, Cindy or Lauper. Cindy I guess Lauper. nominee, not inductee. Cindy yeah, Lauper. Cindy, yeah. My favorite thing about that song is that it was written by a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Forbert was good friends with her. She was in a she was in a band that was kind of a throwback. Blue Knights or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the Blue Angel. Blue Angel. And they were a throwback to like they did 50s stuff. And he actually got on stage with them, sang a couple little Richard songs with them. Because he was sort of pigeonholed in that sort of throwback sound too. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she she's she was she she was good. I, I don't want to yeah. say anything derogatory oh, she's great. about her. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the few videos from that time period. That still hold up. Well, it's yeah. a good video. It's a good video. And he, he he has a funny story about it. So he was living down the street from where they're filming it, and she asked him if he would come and play her. She he plays her boyfriend in the in the video. And there's With a flowers. Scene, and there's a, a scene. There's a scene where <laughs> things are going chaotically in her bedroom, like this all out party, and he yeah. shows up with flowers and tuxedos. He said, and he's like calling her name out, but everyone's going nuts. But and he's perfectly out of place. He yeah. is, and he says he goes. He walked over. He was watching all the craziness and Sue that and the conga line, and he thought, this, "They're all drunk. <laughs> These people are all drunk. This will never, ever, ever work." Is what he thought to himself. And then he was wrong, and he yeah. admits it. That it is. It is not only, as you said, one of the videos that stands the test of time. It was influential. It was one of these vid- like groundbreaking videos that people wanted to copy because yeah. it was before people would show themselves on stage or they do other things. This was actually somewhat narrative, yeah, yeah. funny, and, and and people enjoyed watching it. So. She's she's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah she is. She knows it's it's like she's so aware of what she's for. Yeah, and this was was that her first album. Her first solo album, yeah. So, I mean, she's so aware of what she is and what she's about. It's yeah. It reminds me of Rocky. I mean, here comes this rookie and makes this great movie. Here yeah. comes this rookie yeah. and makes this great a, video. And, yeah, it's a yeah. It's got Captain Lou Albano. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Daddy is still number one. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's a great song. Anyway, is. we're talking about Steve Forbes, so, who's just the cat in the corner with yeah. the, uh, what does he call himself all the time? The cat, he, his autobiography is. We'll is um, we'll anyway. post it. We'll post that video on the website. Yeah, yeah. you have to wait till the end to see Steve. It, it, but yeah. it's funny. Yeah. Um, in '87, he ends up moving to Nashville, and he puts together this. What a great name for a backing band, the Rough Squirrels. Um, <laughs> and that's when he runs into Gary Talent because he's in he's in New York at the Lone Star Cafe, Lone Star uh, New York City Lone Star Cafe, and he's doing uh, 
they're doing a Buddy Holly tribute, and he's and he and the Rough Scrolls are playing that. And, and talent says, "Hey, why That's don't you? Why we're experts. <laughs> there you go." He says, "Why don't you come by my my studio, Shorefire Studio in Long Branch, New Jersey, and we'll see if we can't get get some stuff down." And so he takes advantage of that, yeah. and then the result is Streets of This Town, which was a really guess, good album. It's comeback. That yeah. was what eighty. That's eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. yeah, it's a. I love that album. And um, he had he had he by that time he's married. He's got twins. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and he he said his outlook on life just sort of changed and uh, yeah. So there you go. He's older and wiser. Road worry as you said. And yeah. th- there's some it's it's ironic that he looks like a kid. He doesn't by the time this album comes out. <laughs> but he looks I mean he, he looks, looks kid, kid enough, you know? But I I really think he got better uh, uh, song at songwriting. Yeah. As an older guy uh, well, writing th- about old guy things. I think he got comfortable in his skin. He's very comfortable in his skin. And I tell you, but this is a good songwriter without an ounce of pretension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He never tries to obscure things right. t- to make them seem more meaningful. He's not, he doesn't romantic things. He doesn't romanticize things. No. There's no. Like, this is, isn't this the best time it's ever been? There's, you, you never hear any of that in any of JM's got a brand new uh, record here of Towns Van Zandt. Yeah. And, it's not a, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a new album from Towns Van Zandt. It's new to JM. I don't want everybody running to the record store tomorrow. It, it is, it is, it has been re, reissued and remastered. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, yes, that is, that's the new version of an old album <laughs> yeah. that I, but, I, I own. I actually own the old version of that. Album. I wanted to bring that up the because original. Towns Van Zandt was the same kind of songwriter where they don't have to be obscure. They don't have to hide what they're saying because they're so good at writing precisely what they're talking about, but they can say it in a way that is imaginative and new. I I think the difference between the two of them is that I think Towns did romanticize the the sorrow that he sang about. Well, and there's story. He could also tell us, his songs could tell a story, which I'm not really big into story songs, but there there were character developments. And Steve Fobert as one character. That he's writing about and on this album. On this album, the overworked yeah. American he's, husband, me. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's talking about. Steve yeah, he's Palmer. talking about himself. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to the album we're talking about tonight. As we mentioned earlier, '91's uh, American and Me, uh, an album dealing with very um, adult themes, uh, responsibilities, broken dreams. Uh, I think also just how fast the world changes around you and that you don't, you don't kind of notice that until you notice it. So oh yeah. Or you just kind of like all of a sudden you're eight, one time at one point you're 18. The next thing, you know, you know, you got wife and kids and you know, I, I wrote, I wrote down a quote from him that I thought would be worth reading right before we get into the album, if you guys don't mind. It says, as you get out and try to do things, you always find that in order to make an idea a reality, it goes through some changes. It doesn't always come out exactly like you envisioned, but you start to realize, maybe even become resigned, that it's the price of getting anything done. That you have to accept some imperfections and maybe some disappointments in the process of making anything happen. Hmm. I think that kind of sums up the guy who's singing these songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we want to talk about any of the other players on this album, or are we good to go? I think there's one. Well, we need one person we, we do need to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, who is that, Jam? That is the producer Pete Anderson. Pete Anderson, and who's he, he? He is. If there is okay, there's probably one master of the Telecaster, but he is the 
other master. He is the other master of the Telecaster. He is one of the most phenomenal Telecaster players. I think he rewrote the rules on he did. Uh, country guitar for yeah. Nashville. Yeah, he is the. Uh, if you don't know, if you know who Dwight Yoakam is, he is Dwight Yoakam's right hand man and did, producer. Did he so much rewrite the rules as he pulled them out of the dustbin, dusted them off, and said, "This is how you're supposed to be doing things." Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he is one of the most phenomenal guitar players. He's almost half a Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, he really it's, is. That sound well, is so important. Or if you, yeah, if you listen to, uh, you just get his version of Little Sister. Just listen to his guitar playing on Little Sister. Uh, by Dwight Yoakam. It's that's that's Pete Pete Anderson, and he produced this. And he plays plays guitar. And Doug, you said something interesting. I thought worth mentioning before we actually started. I know we don't normally talk about stuff before, but you said yeah, we violated about, uh, the. Uh, you, you said something about Pete Anderson. That I thought was interesting. About directive this. Uh, thirteen was violated. In terms of everything, <laughs> everything that Jam just said about how amazing the guy is and everything, you you brought up a point. What was that? If you listen to Dwight Yoakam, that guitar does not stay on the sideline or hide in the uh-uh. shadows it's right out in front on this album you wouldn't think that it was a hot dog guitar player yeah. on it it would think there was a shy session guy on here and I, I speculated that maybe because he was producing his al- this album he was hesitant about putting himself out there unlike J- jm uh <laughs> 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 Good thing I wasn't producing this album. <laughs> you just produced this show. <laughs> anyway, but there's there's very little guitar flash on this album. Yeah, uh, less than I would care for. I would I would have said, Petey. Uh, can we just have a solo here? <laughs> Pete the Barn Cat. You remember that from Hank the Cow Dog? Yeah. Hey. Hey, Hanky. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, way uh, off that topic. That being said, at least the first song has a pretty nice little tasty guitar solo. It does. Right? And uh, the third song does yeah, the, too. The, but yeah. Not to the level of what he does with Dwight. No. And it's a but different it, kind of guitar it, playing. Well, too. it's a different kind of album as well. Well, he very, does it. Yeah. I mean, Steve Obert's I mean, not, you know, Dwight Yoakam can be over the top, and there is nothing over the top well, on this. Dwight Yoakam's big, biggest influence is Buck Owens, and you can't yeah. be a Buck Owens fan and not want to be over the top. Right. That's what yeah. Buck, and, Buck yeah. Owens was. A I showman. want I want both of those guys over the top when I'm listening yeah. to. Them. Yeah, yeah. And they I, both had amazing guitarists. Next, yeah, I mean, you yeah. Know, so very anyway. similar guitarists. <laughs> very, very similar, fantastic <laughs> Telecaster players. We've we've, yeah. we've done a lot of wandering on this episode. <laughs> But anyway, but you can't. Pete Pete Anderson is it? Not only is he an amazing guitar player, he's also a great engineer. There's albums that he's actually engineered that are just, and he did a lot of the engineering on Dwight Yoakam albums. Well, there are some extremely tasteful decisions made on this album, and I don't know who to give them credit to, but yeah, it, it, I, it can't be despite of Pete. He so, had to be involved in it. Before we get to talking about the album, I just realized there's something a connection I forgot to mention that's pretty interesting. So we talked about Pete Anderson being the producer. Do you know who was one of the original guys who wanted to produce this album? Oh, I think I did read this. Mm. Rod Argent. Yeah. Really? From the Zombies. Yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, and, and another Englishman named Gus Dungeon also wanted to produce it. And uh, because Steve Overt had kids, young kids, and he would, and both of these guys would have had him working in the U.K., He's like, ah, I can't really do that. Plus, he thought an album's going to be called American and Me. I can't record that in the UK. <laughs> so, so he ended up 
passing on it. But yeah, uh, Rod Argent was kind of producing. How interesting. Yeah. Well, do we want to hear a tune? Yeah, let's go to the first song on. I guess this is uh, this was never released on LP, was it? I don't believe I've it never was. seen it on LP. I'd love to have it on LP. So if we uh, anybody we're, shopping we're in, for my birthday. We're in CDville, guys. So there's no side one, side two. But the first first song on the album is "Born Too Late." To put a lot of time into more than just a search for gold. The river's flowing dirty and it's moving down the past Christian. There used to be a time when it's a wonder was a healing hand. Yeah, one to love. And everything you love is gone, gone. One to love. And everything you know is wrong. Why does that drum sound so good? I was about to say, but one of the highlights of this song is the drumming, and it's just. I think that's Anderson's production. It's just it. it uh, it's just right. It is. This is a great way to start this album. I believe that's a sack quote I have in my thesis. notes. Yeah, it's, it's it is. a thesis statement for this. It for is. This. Yeah, and you know it. It gets back to what I said about. I I think Forbert was born too late for his kind of music. I think if mm-hmm. he had come well, out, and 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 that that thing you that happens to anybody who's somewhat thoughtful in life where. The second part of that, which is born too late and everything you know is wrong. So it's not that it's wrong to you. It's that you realize the world has changed around you and the way you view it is not the considered proper right. way to view the world anymore. Yeah. And so it's like, what What the heck happened? How did this How did this all pass me by? Yeah. yeah. And, and ladies you know? and gentlemen, if you can't relate to this song, I don't understand you. <laughs> this, I relate to this song so perfectly. He's, he's. I don't know if that little part we heard, he's he's sitting in traffic in what was once probably a very pretty part of Mississippi, the past Christian. It's all backed up with traffic, and he's looking at this muddy water, and he's thinking about, I'm, I'm sure it's, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sure he was a kid, and he used to go by there, and he'd think how beautiful it is, and now he's he's stuck. It's just a bullseye. Well, yeah. and musically... The thing that's striking about it is it's so, you know, this this claim of his about helping to create Americana. This is this this is a prime. I mean, this is Exhibit A right here. This song. So mm-hmm. here, listen to this song. This sounds like there is nothing British about this. There is nothing about another. You, you, this could not be written anywhere else. But as you said uh, earlier, when you're talking about the Heartland, this the only thing that you can conjure up listening to this music, regardless of the lyrics, yeah. is it sounds like that. I do, though, have a question. The guitar solo sounds so much like Mark Knopfler to me. It sounds <laughs> I think I, the exact same thing. Well, it's amazing. Having, he was having his heyday, right? Yeah, I, that's exactly. I have the exact same thought. As like, like if you told me Mark Knopfler played on this album or this particular song, I would have... It's the, not that it doesn't fit. It's just very noticeable. You're like, wait, yeah. wait a minute. That sounds so much like Mark Knopfler I playing the guitar. Pete Anderson's playing a Strat. It sounds great. I mean, yeah. this song is really... I I hate to start the album off with this, but this is a contender for my favorite song on the album. It's a great I, song. I love this song. Um, yeah, and I love... I remember the, initially it was my favorite song. I love the background vocals on it. Well, I like the background vocals on this the, whole this thing. This album... Yeah. It makes over and over again on my notes. I comment on the background vocals. Yeah, and well, the drums. But it, it, it's able to be 
subtle in its approach to things. Mm-hmm. So nothing st- nothing jumps out. Even even this Mark Knopfler like solo, while it stands out because it sounds familiar to you in that way, it fits the song perfectly. Yeah. Every- this tell me what other country could have this line. My civil my my silver Catalina is my silver Catalina is busy rusting in the cold night air. Yeah. He's only got a few miles left beneath his hood out there. I stood a while beside him, and I thought about his thirst for oil. I thought about <laughs> his greed for speed and how we all got spoiled. I mean, well, and he yeah. he talks in interviews around this time. He talks about how one of the themes through this album is the American obsession with the automobile and how it's more than just a mode of transportation. Americans are attached to their cars in a way that most yeah. other countries aren't. Yeah, right. and, and he's, he's going he's gonna to go – Get a new car later on. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. This yeah. I just love this. Anyone who knows me very well would not be surprised that I'm in love with a song called Born Too Late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to song number we two? We should. Another yeah. song I love. If You're Waiting On Me. <laughs> this must be a crew. And I'm proving mine this year. And if you're waiting on me. Does that strike y'all as a clock? Mm-hmm. It's called- yeah, yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought about I that. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's purposeful or a happy accident, but it works. It's a, yeah, it's a, uh, it's the highlight of the album for me. Not not my favorite song on the album, but it's it's a highlight. I, I, I love this line. Spent a lot of time down in a self-made hell, and every chance he'd choose... It'd be wrong. It'd be the wrong damn door. I'm in his worn out shoes, but I'm not him no more. That's such a great line. Yeah. He does that so much, and well, it's not. It's not. Ooh, I figured yeah. out what he meant. It's yeah. immediately. It immediately what got he's it. Talking yeah. about. and nobody that's honest cannot immediately yeah. relate. Well, and then the and then the chorus. Um, I. You made it sound earlier like that's a fairly well known phrase. I didn't know that phrase about if you're waiting on me, you're backing up, boys. But it seemed outside of that, it seemed to fit perfectly with the theme of this album, which is you you might be in a damn hurry to get where you're going, but I, I'm not there yet. So if you're waiting on me, you're gonna have to take a few steps back and ca- yeah. catch up with me this way. You know? Yeah, well, I heard that song. I'm, I'm not song. I've heard that phrase my whole life from yeah. older people. It, it may be dying out, but um, I I love this song. I heard and- it from my grandfather growing up. Yeah. <laughs> You're waiting on me, you're boy. Waiting you're waiting up. You're backing up. Backing up. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's perfect for the theme of this album. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's um, a great song. Well, another thing that Fobert does so, so very well is he can cram a whole lot of words into a measure. It doesn't sound muffled or anything. And then he'll he'll let you chew on that for a second. And then he'll say something else. Slower, more laconically, more. You, you're, while you're thinking about that, he'll say something that will highlight what he just said really, really quickly. And it's one of the things I've noticed on this this particular song. He does so, so well, where he can just throw a whole bunch of lyrics at you, and you're you're kind of shocked by them, and then are overwhelmed by them, and then he gives you just like this little break, and you can digest them. You know, he's also perfectly clear. Yeah, you you don't have to look up the words, right? 
he he's, he's one of these who articulate very clearly, like Towns again. Yeah, yeah. There's a nice part in here. He's got the, it's got a nice middle eight in it that is really kind of kind of cool. That I, I would I, you like I to just, describe what that is for the? I, folks you know, home? it's hard for. I, I always thought that middle eight meant that it was like. Uh, it meant like a middle eight bars of something, but it's not. It's it, it comes from some sort of like uh, poetry thing where there's a, a middle eight verse where there's eight verses that are eight lines that are set aside from the rest of the poem. And that's where that idea comes from. And then it it's comes uh, like a bridge, in, like a bridge. Yeah. But it's he um, he has the most observable bridges of anyone I know. Yeah. They're. Frequent and important in yeah. almost every song. Right. And the one we just heard, uh, no, it's the one that's coming up. I'm sorry. There's, Responsibility? There's, yeah. yeah. You want to talk about that one, Jim? I mean- uh, Shall we play it? T, why don't we play that one? Next song, song three on the CD, Responsibility. You start to worry me. Stop and smell the roses, baby. I can't hardly see. No, I ain't forgotten just how good it all can be. But I got so much responsibility. So much responsibility Maybe you know how I'm working Sorry I'm busy so much Why does this song sound so familiar to me? I don't think any of his songs are necessarily unique in their chord progressions or anything like that. Um, it just sounds really familiar to me like I've heard it a million times before. Maybe it's because this should have been played on the radio it seems like this is a radio yeah, it does seem like a pretty radio song. friendly know. song it's it, i was gonna say it's also sort of the first song in in a couple where the narrator seems to be a little, a little melancholy about little growing jaded. older yeah. he's even a little bitter bitter yeah. maybe that's a better this is, word this is the closest to better the album gets well it, it is but there are other songs where he sort of wallows in in the self-pity of growing old but this this one in particular where yeah, talking about how he can't go fishing anymore, he can't smell the roses. He's just got yeah. way too much responsibility. I love um, the idea that he's looking at a mimosa tree that's withered and dying, yeah. and he sees himself. Yeah, that's it's uh, later in the album he'll see a sunset and he sees himself. I think that's a very effective. I tool. like the, the 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 acoustic guitar on this song is is pretty interesting the and i'm i'm wondering i i can't tell if that's being played by pete anderson i, I don't know of any pete anderson acoustic stuff i'm sure there, there's stuff well, out it's there it's really good it's good i wonder though if that might be one of the reasons why this song wasn't a hit because it it was it's so acoustic there are ways you could have made this a so a, a more produced song and was kgsr around in 91 yeah started it seems in, like this song would yeah have been would have been all over, over KGSR. kgsr yeah which, yeah. uh, sorry for those who aren't familiar, was a was a big sort of um, I don't know what you call alternative. It. Alter- no, it was a uh, it was an it's Americana. Americana, I mean, Texas, played, lots they, of Texas they stuff. They played Love It every third song. It yeah, like, but, uh, but that's where I first heard uh, a whole bunch of their CDs or live performances. Yeah, 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 that's where I first heard Little Feet after for the first time, and I don't know how many KGSR. Yeah, KGSR. Yeah. Didn't didn't. What's his face? Jody Denberg started it. No, I mean, the, the guy we know from camp used to be a DJ out there. Don Riley. Oh, Don Riley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it just surprised Matt me. Riley, but, Matt Riley. Matt his Riley. His brother was Don. So. The, uh, I, I just want to read this. Competition's heavy on the hardline working, working crew. The good ones never leave, and there's still always someone new. Pressure comes down hard up at top notch. 
Rivet team. I I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but I can. If you're a singer songwriter trying to make it, and <laughs> well, the the second it's, the competition is so hard, and then there's always these new guys popping up. And you're well, going, yeah, but well, the old guys. That, that yeah, second part point. of that, or the luck part, you didn't read, which is we don't get time to pace ourselves. We don't get time to stand or stand around and dream. That's so you know? easy to understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but you're right. There's a bitterness to this. Uh, and the other thing that really speaks to me is this idea that. When you become an adult, summer is only a time of year that's hot. (laughs) (laughs) When you're a kid, it's paradise. I I don't want to think that way. I'm I'm damn near fifty three years old, and I'm still not going to think that summer is only hot. I'm going to think of summer. As, I have kids that still enjoy summer, so I'm going to enjoy. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's like uh, I remember the first get out of Austin and go to someplace cool <laughs> go to Colorado. Yeah. one thing that makes this so palpable to me is i was a i worked at a camp forever and then i got a new job and worked at a camp <laughs> at the new job so i was about i think i was about 35 the first time i had a summer where i didn't go <laughs> be a camp director somewhere yeah and i remember going wow it's june this is summer. I forgot. I, it just happened, and the only significance summer had at that point was, was it was hot. It was I was going to put my shirt on after I got to work because it was so yeah so hot, and yeah. it had zero significance like it did. I mean, Jam and I spent all those summers at, at a camp together, yeah, and it was the summer was the greatest time of the year. We were fishing and swimming, yeah. and. Chasing girls, which I'm <laughs> playing glad guitars didn't, all the I, I'm time. I'm glad I didn't catch any of them, honey. Um, <laughs> the uh, but this song really hits home with me with that idea of that no time to for a fish on the line or a yeah. swing on the old sycamore. I mean, that is a bullseye. Yeah, Tony, I'm sorry. I know. You, so it you was can, just, but you had three months off. You had all the time, and it, it and it's. That three months seemed like a long time, you know, and, and then then you get a job zero and it's gone. importance. Yeah. When you have a job, your boss doesn't care that it's summer. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> My kids are up until you have kids and then you're like Then it's just a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So number four on the album, When the Sun Shines. When the sun shines. When Soft like it sounds when you love me, but you'll be mine when the sun shines. Nobody speaks my name. <laughs> it's, that's the same word. That's the same line that grabs me. Oh, yeah. man. It's a, yeah. It's, this, this is my reality that... Ladies and gentlemen, I recently was fired. <laughs> so I've had hard times lately. Mm-hmm. And you find solace. One of the things that makes it all not matter is knowing that I'm going to come home to my wife. Yeah. yeah. And this song, initially, when I bought this album, it didn't have just kind of, it would yeah. hear, listen and it would go yeah. by. Now it stops me in my tracks. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm married now <clears> and, uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. This may be my favorite song on the track. 
just it it is the most romantic, I guess. You know, it it, it is the more. It's, it's a practical. It's, it's not. A, it's, it's, a, not a, it's not a yeah. Not a romantic. It's song. not a Rosalita. It's a, it's a practical right. love song. Right. Right. Well, it's about it's that it's the rea- it's that reality that we all face, no matter how gruff or whatever we are. That yeah. you know, if it, that there there is that moment of coming home to somebody or being in a relationship with somebody that kind of makes all that weariness go right. away for a small. Period. And the, the song does that perfectly because this is two songs. There's the one where he's talking about the weariness, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he switches when the sun yeah. comes right. out. It's it's perfect the way he puts those two together yeah. and and uh the the other the other thing about you talking about this being your favorite song jam i don't know if it's my favorite one but it is the one that i woke up to in my head every this day is the one that is going through my head every yeah. all of in time now that i've, been, I've listening to it been listening to it and for three weeks and it, it's it, it's also the most sonically interesting the base the, the bass line the bass line is that fretless bass is, is and i am a sucker for a fretless bass. i am I too love the way the way it, yeah the sounds. way that thing that it's it got keeps, kind of that horn sound well, it's, on so, it's, it's, it's so, like it's a still water on yeah. top but you can see it moving around below yeah. it's so the the weird thing about a fretless is it's so melodic in the way it play in the way yeah. it sounds when you're playing it there's just something about the way the notes move in and out of each other that yeah is so well nice. you can play it in a different way yeah. too it, it, you, you can play a lot lot more like high notes and it sounds yeah it really does it sounds like a trombone it's uh it's also another instance with wonderful background vocals yeah yeah it's got that and i i'm guessing that's pete anderson doing all those swells on the guitar that are using i guess it's using some sort of digital delay and reverb but one of my favorite songs he's ever written i would say yeah yeah me too my my favorite on the album and, and it makes me sad how many people haven't heard it yeah so it's a it's a really 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 nice song yeah so all right ready to move on to the title track oh yeah yeah all right title track the american in me the american in me and i guess it's just sail away i'm out to be and i guess it's just they're stopping me out on the freeway and they ask of me what i do and where the hell i'm How great are those keyboards? Oh, the keyboards uh, or, or are so so good on this. Is, that's what it's the for. whole plane. Yeah, exactly. That that's that that is a uh, Hammond organ lesson right there, kids. Uh, um, <laughs> um, this, it's a real. This is just a really really good song. Well crafted song. This is my favorite song on the album. It's it's close to my. I don't it's, know. It is a good song. I might buy a car. He goes to the car lot. He might make a trade. He might not, but he knows he'll stay in debt. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's you a know, uh, it's a hu- it's a earned humility that he has. Yeah, and it's this resignation to his nature, his environment. I, mm-hmm. I just love it. Well, and this is another. This is like the the song about Americans' I know, obsession you- with the automobile. Yeah. And you don't hear a lot of songs about the Britain me. You know, it, it, it there is just something. Oh, you, the Kinks probably have a few of them. But you couldn't call a song. Maybe the jam. <laughs> <laughs> 
but th- this is such a uniquely American feeling, American situation, well, I think. There's one word in this song that sums up, I mean, is one of the most American words out there, and it's freeway. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mm-hmm. mean, free, they don't have freeways anywhere else. Yeah. Look at motorways. Getting pulled over by a cop on the freeway, which, <laughs> which is I- ironic irony. I guess all irony would be ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, it. I love it. They ask me what I do and where the hell I'm bound. <laughs> where the hell are you bound, boy? Um, he's yeah. stuck on the he's stuck off on yeah. the off ramp. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's so so well done. Such yeah. a direct hit. Baby, don't. Okay. Baby, don't. We're gonna move on to the next song. Baby, don't. So this is my favorite song on the album. This was my first favorite song. This is the one that I fell in love with. This was my this, first favorite song, too, and then I started... It, uh, yeah. It's his best vocal performance on the album. This is, yes, His easily. voice is perfect for yeah. this song. Yeah. It's soulful. I think everybody that was playing on this song at the time it, was jazz every on it. But yeah. everything clicks on this song. Yeah. Just it's a simple uh, chord, chord I, progression that yeah. repeats over and over again and never gets old. I yeah. don't know how this wasn't a big hit. I don't either. I well, mean, this is... This is the type of song I, I talk. I haven't said this in a while, but this is the type of song where, when it comes on, I want to roll down the windows, I want to hop in my car, I want to drive someplace, and I want to sing along to it. You know, I think one of the things there, there's two problems that I think why this song wasn't a hit. First of all, grunge was coming out. Nobody well, gr- was, grunge is the bane yeah, of the I know. Of it, I, the, and the other thing was we're going to be talking about an album next week and a couple <laughs> weeks after that of the grunge <laughs> torpedoes. To certain there were the, the production is. More subtle than it probably could have been for a, a, a hit at this time, I think. <clears throat> Had this come out in like 1978, 79, this or would have been a hit. later. Or later, mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah, it yeah, could have it's, been. It's, this, this album is almost, uh, again, regardless of the early 90s cover art, it's almost, it, 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 it's, you're right, earlier or later. It's he was sort of, either born too late or born too early. Yeah, for this, that. This, this album would have been a lot, would, I think would have hit a lot of chords had it been released in mm-hmm. 97. Well, this you know? song in particular, I don't understand why it hasn't been covered a hundred oh, yeah. times. It's already. fantastic. It's yeah. so damn catchy. This There's song a- is just, uh, I defy anyone to listen to the song and go and not start tapping their feet, oh, yeah. nodding yeah. their head. And, yeah. Well, or just singing along with the yeah. lyric, you know. It's yeah. that's it's it's different than every other song on this album in one way, and that is I cannot relate to it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if that's you're right. wondering why our producer is laughing, is this song's about a guy going to a party with his wife or girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has a little too much. And then he gets, he gets jealous because yeah. he's talking to some guy that's some slick, smart guy, and he makes an ass out of himself. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's saying, baby, please don't go. <laughs> it's 
when I say I can't relate, that's that's a big lie. That's, <laughs> we've, all, we've all been there. It is, yeah. It is so perfectly done. It's. This, I thought the, you wanted to leave with that slick, smart guy. Yeah. And every man who feels like he's been shown up in front of his wife. Yeah. And knows exactly. And I love the way it has a bridge that builds and builds yeah. and builds and yeah. builds. And then you get back to the um, the next verse and you yeah. realize how much you love that three chord mm-hmm. progression going yeah. over and over again. It's, it, it, yeah. It's, it's a fantastic song. Anyway. It's yeah. This the, this is uh, a, this song is near perfection. You see the sun sinking low. That's just how my poor heart feels when you turn to go. <laughs> uh, that's so so. That's perfect. Yeah, and so simple. Yeah. If you are interested in finding out if you like this album, listen to this song. Yeah. Three times. Yeah. And if you're not hooked by this song, keep moving on. You're you're dead, and, and uh, <laughs> unless you're a woman, you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're ready to move. Yeah, yeah. changing the weather. Uh, this may be the best showcase yet of uh, on the, the album guitar for Pete, playing. Yeah, yeah, for Pete Anderson. It's just what he can do. He does not play the chords straight. He just does straight fills throughout the whole thing, and they're just all that that kind of snake charmer kind of uh, sound that I, I just really like so much. The telly's all over the place on this one. I'm glad the guitar is interesting because this. I'm not a big fan of this song. It's not one it's, of my favorites. But. It's my least favorite on the album. Unlike everything else on this album, I don't know what he's getting at. I don't either. I no. don't know what it's. It's. You know, we talk sometimes about oh, it's a nice little break. Maybe that's what this is supposed to be. But it's. I don't know. It. It just. It stands out a bit. And, the guitar is really nice on it. it though it's interesting. And yeah, so. I. I put this in. This will be when we talk about our reviews. One thing that keeps this album from being five star album for me. I, um, I I agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it'd be a five star, but it's definitely something that knocks it down. I mean, the, the it seems like this is something. Hey, band, here's something for you guys to do. I mean, let's the drumming get, is pretty cool. Yeah, let's get funky. Yeah. Well, but, and, and it's just so damn repetitive. Yeah, it is. It's it extremely is. repetitive. This one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine times he says, changing the weather and three times. And it's not like a Ramon song, which could say the same line over and over again, and it's not annoying. <laughs> yeah, because it's not about... It's not about, about anything. The, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, exactly. This is a disappointment. If if you know this album really well, and you can tell me that he's making this great point... Uh, he's not. Please please send that to me so I get yeah. it. it. It seems like an intruder on the album. It does. It does, which is a shame, especially after the last song we just heard, which oh, is yeah. so great. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole first side of this, I guess that last side, first but, first side of the CD. <laughs> yeah. Everything we've heard till now has been Brilliant. spot on, spot and on, excellent. Right. And then here, this comes in, and I get upset about it. Yeah. yeah. Moving on to you cannot win them all. Don't let it keep you up nights when you know, my friend, you cannot win them all. 
gone on Exterminator, lawyer, doctor, daycare, dental bill Hey, now that you're essential, have you made yourself a will? You gotta have insurance just to drive your car to work And wind up down in court with some bad actor, neck-braced jerk It's always problems everywhere You're juggling everyone You do your best each day But when the sun goes down, it's done, it's done This is therapy It is Do you know who co-wrote this song? I don't Tony, Tony Williams Tony Joe White Oh, Tony Joe White Do you know what Tony Joe White wrote? Was it Poke Salad Annie? Poke Salad Annie and Rainy Night in Georgia wrote both those songs. Is that right? Annie co-wrote this song. I I I like this song a lot. I think it's a competitor for the last song on the album. This is a bedtime story. This is a guy trying to go to sleep, right? And yeah, he he's his list of things he didn't get done, bills that didn't get paid, are running through <laughs> his head. And boy, I can relate. And I, I, I do like this song a lot. That's one, the part about the actor neck. The insurance issue? Yeah. Th- th- that line is, you wind up down in court with some bad actor neck brace jerk. That's <laughs> below his standard for lyric well, writing. Yeah. And it's it's a weird thing to complain about, you know? Well, that's not most people's experience. It's also kind of cliche. Yeah. yeah. I, it's I a think, Brady bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that is a ding on the song. Otherwise, I like the song, I, and I didn't at first. I'm going to quote yeah. you back to you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to quote you back to you to quote I love to hear myself. Sally. Uh, I would like this tune a lot more if it was in a different language. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, just sounds, it just sounds really whiny to me. I I can sympathize I'm, I'm right with, with it. I'm with him whining. Because I've been there, you know, where you're just sitting there... You know, like I'm trying about to, to go to it. sleep and yeah. all that stuff. I'm about to send my girl to college, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm. You know, she wants to go to one of them fancy colleges on the East Coast, and I'm learning how I'm going to be paying for that. And yeah, I I guess I mean, it I, hits me at the right time. It, it, it may just be that particular stands about needing insurance to drive your car and then going down to court. It just maybe that's that, it. That it just seems so below whatever else, what everything else we've heard. Yeah, he's he's that, he's set up a pretty high standard, and yeah. then he comes out with that, and it's. I'm not sure I agree on that part, though. I think that much. I think the song fits almost where it. Well, it's, hit. it the theme fits perfectly. I'm just that one paragraph. Is below. I agree the with level you on the that. Rest yeah, of the yeah album. There, as far as the songwriting right. goes, I will say, I will say, I, I, what I do, I, I don't know. I, like, it's just this whole thing. It's, it's, uh, you know, complaining about the airport coming into your town. It just seems. I don't know. I think that's. I think that's, that's right stuff on. about <laughs> his dreams of retirement uh, are gone because airplanes are going to barely. Barely, barely clear his yeah, trees. I, I, yeah, that, I, I think that's right. I mean, yeah, I, I'm relieved that someone's writing a song about something like that. And, mm, I, but I, 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 I do I, agree with that. That one paragraph, I call it therapy because what he says is, you're not going to get your to do list done every day, and right. you're going to have to let some things go. That's a mature. That's what an well, adult I think, realizes. I, I, I have limitations, and I'm. I've got to figure out what I'm not going to get done today th- because every day there's going to be things this, you can't complete. I think this song enco- like encompasses that quote I read in the very beginning 
before we started talking about the album about you you're sort of resigned to this fact that you're you're going to have to have compromises in order to get things done That's right. and that there's going to be disappointments in the long along the lines of that process you're right. not going to be happy with everything that happens yeah this guy though doesn't seem to be happy about anything in well song. not not in this I'll mood agree with you. If, yeah if the whole this. album was like that i think it'd be right but yeah. i understand this mood at night it reminds me of thomas soul his favorite line of mine is there's no solutions. There's only trade-offs. Was that uh, the guy who played uh, uh, Starsky? Tom? <laughs> That's David. Oh, oh I'm, he's a, he's I know. A, I'm joking. <laughs> he's a uh, economist. I'm yeah. I'm joking. A commentator. I know who David Soul is Thomas. I know. Oh, Never David mind. Soul was. Don't give up on us, baby. <laughs> and Starsky. Or was he Hutch? I always forget the two. Confused. I think you know, I, I don't know which one was I, Jewish. I think I only saw. Did you, what did you say? Which one was Jewish? <laughs> was it Starsky or Hutch? He was the not Jewish one. They'd always go get Sugar Bear and jack him up and <laughs> oh, that's tell right. him what's going on. That's right. Good old I sugar don't think bear. that would go over these days. <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, anyway. Didn't they, they also, did they also have the, the Dukes thing with their car where their doors were uh, welded that, that, shut? Oh, they could put Torino the, yeah, or something. And they would put the... Uh, but, uh, didn't they slide in through the windows too? Or was that yeah. just a duke? Yeah, they, they would put did. the yeah, and they put and the siren on. I don't on. know why you do that because <laughs> it was cool in 1976. They, uh, yeah, what is that? Important? What if it's cold? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you have a button on your phone. That, uh, anyway, it wasn't a conspicuous car at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Are we being followed? I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> all right there's an outtake <laughs> all right so moving on to song number nine rock while i can rock There's some hand claps in there for Tony. Yeah, I, I'm not a particular. I, there's like the three. These last three songs are a bit of a dip in this album for me. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. This is the swampier, the swampiest of the. You know, like he's got a little Mississippi in him left. I know? do like the harmonica though. The harmonica works. I like the harmonica. The lyrics are good. The lyrics are good. I think I have a theory okay. that people put songs like this on the album that aren't all that interesting. But they need something like this so they can perform live and get the house going. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. And people yeah. sing along and clap along. Yeah, and but you know, I wanted Pete Andrew. This is like, go yeah. Pete. Why don't why do don't, something? <laughs> why don't we pull the organ and yeah. let Pete go and make this a big rocker, right? Instead of the guy playing acoustic Washboard guitar with or the, whatever uh, the hell is going on. Yeah, it's it, that part doesn't make sense to me at all. Right. I said, okay, you're gonna do the rocker. It's it's not it's not gonna be one of my. Favorites. It's almost like he could but, do that first part, like what he's doing, where you, when you go into the and harmonica go, part, boom, and into the whole bam, band, right? Whole yeah, band. Where's that? In. Where's yeah. the damn organ? Where's that girl that's been singing? Yeah. Um. And where's Pete? Why don't mm-hmm. we let Pete just have a whole, yeah. uh, twenty seconds of tearing it up? Yeah. Those those questions occurred to me immediately on yep. this song. But I'm I'm with uh I would I'm with Pete uh I'm with, not not Pete I'm with Tony. <laughs> I got to remember all these guys' names. <laughs> I'm with Tony in that, that we are in a dip. We are in a dip. 
we're about to come out of the dip, thank goodness. We are, but, big time. I mean, it's almost like it never, it, it wants to take off. It almost sounds like the first part of a song where they keep it, the fidelity, really, like Ice Cream Man by uh, mm-hmm. Van Halen. <laughs> and then all it's, of a sudden yeah, it comes if in. If they would have done that, that yeah. would have been, I, I would say only Van Halen song I like. <laughs> I, would normally, I would normally attribute this to this being an album in the CD era where you just kind of put stuff on there because you don't have to worry about necessarily worry about sides and stuff yeah but this is a 33 minute album with 10 <laughs> songs on it so it's a little yeah. weird to me the yeah. real estate is expensive on this album it is <laughs> and 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 to have a dip like that especially where when we led up to it it's it's, yeah. it's very strange to me it's it's yeah. a hard thing it makes me wonder we had waited another year for some some more tunes to come on but i don't know i mean this may be his favorite song on the album for all i know Knows, um, but he likes this album a lot. I know that. He well, likes. He should. He should. It's he a likes, fine album. He likes the the Geffen stuff. Yeah, yeah I do but, too. All right, we're gonna close out the album with "New Working Day." capital gains Some people more than get by. Watching through gates from their seaside estates, they're amazed at how hard you still try. Keep shifting gears and remember Rome wasn't built in a week And everyone's wild for a winner's big smile But he's rolling downhill once he peaks Baby, everything's fine if you follow and Then you don't get in the way Give us your best and then we get you some rest There's tomorrow's a new working day So I that, think he's uh, nailing it. I think he these, nailed it on this These lyrics one. on this song are right. so good. I, I have yeah. a pet peeve. It's a small one. Rome wasn't built in a week. You don't like that line? I no, love that line. that's not the phrase. He, he, it's, it's on a purpose. Force, he's a not force. saying that. Yeah, that's on purpose. Why? So he's he's exaggerating. <laughs> the work week. Yeah, he's he's exaggerating. In in my opinion, I don't know. I, I think he's doing it for the rhyme. Yeah, I think he is. Which, but at the which, same time, I think it that it's it works because he he's you're having to get everything. You, you got a work week. He's talking about the, okay. the daily Maybe grind. I Maybe and, I was so well, focused on the I fact also, that it it seemed like a forced line for the rhyme. I, Again, I, I said it's a pet peeve. It's small. It's I, small. I appreciate the surprise. Yeah, I thought it was a nice surprise too. It's, it's but almost but like you're the guy said, who routinely talks about people forcing rhymes. I do, I do hate forced rhymes, and, and and that's what this seems like to me. Yeah, but. it it never occurred to me because the first thing that occurred to me is he's saying, "No, Rome wasn't built in a day. It wasn't even built in a week." I right? Mean, he's. I feel like he's going uh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's I, what I feel. Rome like. wasn't built in a year. I, I he could have done that. I will acquiesce to you guys. <laughs> you on this. don't have to, but yeah, but just, it's like, but he couldn't keep I, going. Like, what Rome wasn't built in a hundred years? I mean, he, 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 he yeah. Is, he's but gotta, the, but my point is, the phrase uh, is Rome wasn't built in a day, and it just seems like it's a forced rhyme. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're I saying. I like because he's, he's keeping it in the work week, and that's what his yeah, mind is on. I was about the week. I wasn't thinking about that. it's a new working day. Is the name of and uh, anyway, I think it's it's a nice way to end the album. It, yeah, I, like I said, I, I think the song two songs back might have been better because it's about trying to go to sleep. Yeah, but this one's also that earned that earned. <laughs> I don't, I'm I'm trying to figure. It's it's an earned helplessness, uh, earned 
surrender. Surrender, yeah. He's he's earned the right to surrender the day. Yeah, try, and, try to keep your, make yourself go to sleep. You got the rich people watching you work while they're relaxing. Say, Why is that guy still working? <laughs> I mean, it's... You mean it's, the, the people who say, you can't fly first class? You got to fly economy? <laughs> Those guys? He's talking about him. That, he's talking about this jerk he saw in first class on an airplane. <laughs> um Again, the bass on the song is great. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that it's, it's, it's live long bass enough again. and you're older. I love that. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah, it's a, good a line. great line. Um, and, and again, I, I brought that up because it's a nitpick, but it did stand out to me that one line. But I, I get what. But you guys the, are yeah, saying. again, the the this is a very well reduced song too. It's got <laughs> it's, the nice organ that comes in real subtly, and it's got that cool bass. It yeah, this me. is one of the few albums. This is the opposite of the B.W. Stevenson album. It's one of the few where I would turn up the production. Uh, we don't I, come across those very often, but yeah, I would I, turn I it up. No, I think it works well. I would turn up production on. Uh, well, we're getting this a, previous song, and uh, there's some times I think Pete could have. Yeah, I agree. Been allowed to go a little bit further. Yeah, I kind of wondered what would happen if he had taken this. And just got a bigger band. Yeah. Or, or. I wonder if part, I remember when I was working with that artist with uh, MCA, all the decisions were colored by the fact that he was going to be touring without a band. He says, do you want to put this big hot band on here? And then you have to go out and play a sure. solo deal. Yeah. And, and of course, he was doing a lot of solo touring. So that may have been part of the decision-making process. Well, there's, no, there's nothing more disappointing than seeing a guy come out. Like, I went to go see Greg Ken one time going, oh, he's going to have his badass band behind him and everything. No, it's just Greg Ken, acoustic guitar. It's like, what? This is not something I'd We had broken up for good just an hour ago. Yeah. Strum, 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 <laughs> strum, strum. Um, <laughs> I haven't thought about Greg Ken forever. <laughs> Who's... um? Who's playing the the? Do you know which bassist is playing the fretless on this? I want to say it's Bob Glob. It's not Gary White. I don't know. I, I really wish I knew for sure. But um, you know, we forgot to mention Gary White's on this album. You know what? Who? What he was in? Right. He's a found. He was a bass player for Circus Maximus. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's one of the greatest connections of all time. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that was uh, Jerry, Jerry Jeff, Jeff Walker's, Walker's first band. Yeah. <laughs> up in upstate New York. <laughs> yep, that's really something. Well, that's the end of the album, T. It is. So uh, we, I guess, we go to the part of the podcast where we're going to rate it. Just to remind everybody, we give two ratings: one that is a critic's rating, which is just listening to it with a critical point of view, uh, and the other one is our own personal rating. Regardless, critics be damned, is this an album we'll listen to again? So I'm going to start with JM since this was not his pick. JM, what what say you? All right, um, as a critic. I'm going to give it a four zero. I don't understand why this album does not get more attention, even though I'm only giving it a four zero. I think that it is seems to me like it'd be a critic's darling. It's got so many of the things that critics like. It's got very clever lyrics. It's got, it talks about the working man. It, it, it's, it's something to me that I just don't understand why this album has not got more attention. And, and I don't understand why Steve Fobert hasn't gotten that much attention. That said, the guy has won Grammys. 
Um, I don't think he won. He's only nominated. He's been nominated. Okay, yeah. But he's, I would like to say something about that. After the last two Grammys, I don't think a Grammy is an honor. <laughs> I, I, the uh, just to throw throw just one thing back in the early seasons of The Simpsons when they did the thing on the barbershop quartet. Oh yeah, the B sharps. Uh, yeah. yeah, they win a Grammy, and even then, the Simpsons were making fun of how useless that award is. So <laughs> that was back Thank in the God early nineties. Yeah. They were all they've they've always been uh, making fun of things that needed to be make, made yeah. fun of for a very long time. Yeah, yeah the Grammys are. I mean, uh, this this month, as a matter of fact, I guess the Grammys are always in February. But in nineteen eighty seven, Jethro Tull won the very first Grammy for, for heavy, heavy metal. metal. I saw so that, that at the tell, gym. That yeah, tell you something. <laughs> well, I, but. Um, didn't Bonnie Raitt get she yeah she, she songwriter of the year or songwriter like of the year or something yeah well, I don't yeah know. Uh, there's and, good and the, people have won Grammys I don't mean to say that yeah, but, but and the, the uh, fact that Beyonce's won the most Grammys of anybody she's not bad I have to say what she, does she you know, do she, she writes sings, songs and she, she sings very very well but like she also stripper. writes really well there's some good know. songs that okay. she's written you'll have to educate me on that um, that lemonade song is is a pretty good song I got to admit anyway. Um, He's going to make us do what's her face. He's, trying, he's yeah. trying to get us to do Taylor Swift. Yeah. I don't know. She's written some good songs. I'm not this. I'm not going to. Anyway. Good look, I think she's good looking too, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the songs are, are hummable. Uh, they're well executed. Um, I think that this album would have taken off a little bit more had uh, Pete Anderson taken off more, taken off more <laughs> uh, done a little bit more of what Pete Anderson is known for. Um, So that's why I'm going to give it a four Oh and yeah, that change in the weather song that very much a disappointment on the, on this album personal. I've been vacillating between this. I'm, I'm going to give it a three, five. I think this album suffers for me because I'm not transported anywhere. It's not that I don't care what he's he's writing about. I understand a lot of what he's writing about. He's hitting me on a, on a lot of my day to day life, and I'm, it's nice to have somebody that kind of crystallizes my existence. But it's like I'm living. It's like I'm driving through traffic when I'm listening to this song. It's like I don't. I need to be transported. A lot of times when I listen to music, I want to be transported. You know, I, I look for something to. Take me out of my everyday existence. You know, it's like why I listen to Kim's or it's why I listen to Van Morrison a lot. Speak to me in a way that is about my everyday existence, something that speaks to me about why I live here, why I'm alive right now. And that doesn't do do it for me. And I know there's people that have there's songs by Springsteen and John Mellencamp that I, that I like a whole lot. Kind of blows them out of the water in a lot of the ways the way, especially on this album, what what are you singing about? It speaks to me a lot more because it's not romanticized, but at the same time, I still want to just be taken out of it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the wordplay so much. I get a lot of understanding, but not a lot of emotion. Luckily, you'll be transported into deep REM sleep in a couple of albums, so we got that going for us. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I digress. I guess it's up to me now, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, Jam, I agree with your critical uh, 4.0. I'm actually going to give it, I'm going to give it a 4.0 and a 3.9. It's a short album. It's 33 minutes. And there are three of the songs that just 
stand out to me as as not belonging on the album so that as doug mentioned earlier there's a lot of real estate or not very much real estate to be dealing with and to do that seems a bit egregious uh i didn't know this album before you picked it doug and i'm glad you did because there's some great songs on it and songs i will listen to again i'll listen to the album again i just will will skip a couple of songs it's catchy uh, I don't mind what it's singing about. I do think it gets a little whiny from time to time on some of them, but for the most part, I think it's spot on. And I'm I I really like his voice, even though it's not a great voice in terms of like quality wise. It fits the music really really well. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a surprise. So appreciate that. But yeah, I'm going to give it critically a four zero and personally a three nine. Doug, all right, well. I have a little standard that I have. I try to make sure I listen to every album that we talk about 20 times before I start talking. I'm a big believer in um, you cannot speak with any confidence about any record until you're very familiar with it. Because I have so many albums I didn't like at first and fell in love with later. Uh, So... I tried to listen to each one of these albums 20 times. This one, I didn't need to do that because I have been listening to it <laughs> a long time over and over For 20 again. years. Yeah. yeah. 30. So I listened to it more than 20 times <laughs> because I kept, I'm in love with this record. It's also very short, so that makes it easy to do that. Yeah. Uh, my critical pick is going to be 4-5, and I'm deducting it. I think if if all of the songs if had continued the way it started, I think this would be a five star album. But I think that Rock Why I Can Rock and uh, Changing the Weather, Changing the Weather, Changing the Weather is how could you forget the name of that song? It's only said <laughs> four hundred times. I think it was. I think my brain has done that on purpose. Change Changing the Weather is almost calculated to bother you. Um, <laughs> separate. Pete Anderson's guitar player. <laughs> Except, but yeah, if I wish they would have made it. I think inst- that's the only thing I listened to. Yeah. <laughs> they could have those been. two. Those two drag this. This is like uh, landing gear on an airplane that won't come up. It just is drag on on the record. I disagree with the song between them. Uh, I think that that works, except for that awkward line about the neck brace. But I, I actually I love this album. I love the topics that they talk about. I don't want to be transported. I'm happy that he's going to get next to me in the traffic jam and say, doesn't this suck? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. talk to me about it. I, I really like that aspect of this record. And in songs like Baby Don't are simply irresistible. There's mm-hmm. just no way you can That's true. resist that. Yeah. Uh, my critics uh, review was not going to be as generous. Did I just do my critics? I did four or five for the critics. Uh, my personal review is four seven. It would be five if this if if this album was even shorter. It would have been a five star album. Um, Twenty five minute album, American and Me EP. EP. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an album I will always go back to, always listen to again. And I, mean, I could put it on as soon as these guys leave my house. <laughs> I just love I love this record. Yeah, and I love Steve Forbert. I, I think it's one of he is one of the most overlooked 
talents. I agree of, with you of on all that. times. I, I agree with that too because yeah. uh, as it's I said, I wasn't really familiar with him, even though he. But it's been great. Guys, I, but. Yeah, I went back and just started listening to his stuff and he, old stuff, new stuff. He's I, got. He only has one gold album, right? This, is that uh, Jackrabbit? Jackrabbit Slim. Slim. Yeah, it might be. I guess I have six. Do, do we six know? of his albums, and none of them are bad. Yeah, yeah. He, his, I did not hear a bad song on any of the stuff that I'd listened to. You know, I've been listening to him for three weeks now, and because um, he yeah. makes you laugh out loud while you're driving. Yeah, he does. I hope to see him someday. I, I've missed him. There's so yeah. many times I could have seen him that I didn't, and I've, I regret that. Do we know? I, I forgot to ask this when we were talking about Jack Russell. Do we know if that's what the the restaurant in Pulp Fiction is named after. I mean, it's odd that it would have the same name. Oh, Jack wow. I didn't think of it. I wonder if it's the other way around. No, Pulp Fiction came out in 90. I know, but it made the out, the, the restaurant, restaurant actually really existed. existed. Oh. Yeah. Well, it seems like that picture is where Jack Rabbit <laughs> Slim comes from. But I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that just, we have a lot that. of listeners. Uh, yes. We did have one listener ask us to do... Uh, Jackrabbit Slim or yeah. Alive on Arrival, and uh, I hope she's going to forgive us for picking a different record. That's all on you, Doug. <laughs> and just real quick before we get to the recommendation and whatever, I would like to say we we really appreciate people emailing us. I know we haven't been the best at getting back to you guys. We ain't got no even power. When, when we've had power, we haven't even. <laughs> but, but even even before that, so I w- please continue to write. It's great. We will respond to all of the things we've gotten. It's just yeah. uh, some of us. Uh, anyway. Well, as the album we just listened to um, would kind of encapsulate, we've we've got lives. I I want. <laughs> that's a good point, Jim. <laughs> I, I want to say something. I'm, I'm going to uh, lobby my co-host do something I, I want to post what we're going to be covering far in advance and give the listeners time to tell us what they know about the records before we review them because we have gotten so many interesting pieces of information after, after the, the fact, fact yeah and we can't share them with the rest of the audience so well I, i'd also want everybody if, if you know a good podcast that's similar to ours please share that with us I've been looking for other good podcasts like ours. I've only found two, and there's got to be more than that. And the reason I'm not picking all the others is because they talk about crap so much, about where they got a hamburger (laughs) last night and stuff like that. (laughs) I think we did a little bit of that on this episode. Usually it doesn't survive. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So I guess I'll, I'll go straight to my recommendation. T. Hey, T. What are the kids listening to these days? I'm going to talk about an album. I haven't talked about an album that's uh, very recent in a long time, but this is an album that came out in November of last year. It was <laughs> not 71. No. Uh, and it's it's Ramblin' Soul by Melissa Carper. So Melissa Carper was, uh, some of you listen may know about the band, the Carper family. She was a founding member of the Carper family, which was this really amazing Austrian traditional country bluegrass trio that was her, Melissa Carper. She played upright bass, Beth Crispin, who's a fiddle, and Jen Maori, who was a guitarist. And they all sang, and they all sang three-part harmony. They were great live. If you recall the story I told about seeing Robert Plant in a bar, they were the band on stage playing when he was sitting there standing next to me, Jeez. nodding his head, digging the music on stage. It was the Carper family. <laughs> wow. Anyway, she is. this is her second solo album, and it's called Ramblin' Soul. 
And it's just a great honky tonk, you know, swing, you know, traditional swing record. Um, I'm going to play a little song called Texas, Texas, Texas uh, for you guys. Uh, What's it about? Give, uh, <laughs> Oklahoma. Why are we experts? <laughs> uh, just to give you a little taste. One. That makes me happy right That there. makes me want to dance. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to play a nice little weeper called My Only. That makes you want to spin your girl it around. It does. <laughs> my only regret. Or a mop that's, if you don't have it. That's my only regret. That's my only regret. That I was me when we parted. And I never said sorry. That's my only Anyway, check it out. It's fantastic. That sounds if you great, like team. that, you're going to love the whole thing. Yep. She ever played the Broken Spoke? Uh, I don't know if... Uh, yeah, that makes me want to, think, think, me want to go to the Broken think, Spoke I real think, bad. Throw some stall dust on my floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they may, but mainly they played like the Continental Club. Um, huh. we, we used to see... They actually used to play at the uh, Central Market a lot. We'd see them there and wow. we would dance. I've got some great video of my kids dancing that's, to the carpet. That's so, fantastic. That is such compulsive dance music. Yep. It is. Anyway, Melissa Carper, Ramblin' Soul. All I'm right, gonna T. Have to buy that one. Yep. Thank you very much for that recommendation there, Tony. Mm-hmm. And to you, our listening audience, thanks so much for listening to tonight's episode of This Is Vinyl Tap, the podcast that I always goes to 11. Just to let you know, you can send us an email at tappingvinyl at gmail.com or you can visit our Facebook group page or you can leave us a review wherever you download uh, this podcast. And uh, we're on every podcasting downloadable platform. You can also leave us stars there. Let us know what you think of us and what you would like for us to maybe look at in a future episode of This Is Vinyl Tap. And finally, for the greatest This Is Vinyl Tap experience, webpage, tappingvinyl.com. Next week, we're going to be reviewing another album from the 90s, Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet. For our host, Doug Cooper, our co-host, Tony Slagle, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, this is Vinyl Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11. And please, baby, baby, don't.